you or someone you love needs help for an addiction, where do you turn? Foundations Recovery Network offers individualized treatment for the whole person. Our goal goes beyond short-term sobriety. We address substance abuse and co-occurring mental health issues together, providing a firm foundation for long-term recovery. The first step is often the hardest, but we're here with a free assessment, insurance information, and treatment options. Our confidential helpline is available 24-7, so call 877-714-1318 and discover the Foundation's Recovery Network difference today. This is Rich Roll, and you're listening to Silver Guy Radio. Yo, what's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to Humans for bringing us in. Thanks to you for supporting the show. Thanks to Rich Roll for bringing us in, too, might I add it here. Uh, if you'd like to check out more of Humans Music, we get quite a few emails about that. Uh, great music, good stuff to listen to no matter what you're doing. Put it in the headphones, put it in the subs, it's bumping right there. Go to www.dashumans.com, that's D-A-S-Humans.com. You can also check them out on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all the major platforms. Check out some Humans Music. They're good dudes, uh, good homies of the show, and we appreciate them, their music, and supporting us by letting us use the music for the intros and the outros. So much love. Check them out. Uh, We're going to talk today about if your first sponsor is supposed to be an asshole. Man, I got an email this morning and oops, I just hit the mic there. Uh, I got an email this morning and when I saw that headline, I started busting up because I've had some conversations about this. I've had some firsthand experience with it. And uh, we're going to read the email from from one of our listeners. And I'll give you my take on this and kind of my own experience. And then um, we'll talk a little bit more in, in depth about it. And also, uh, we got another, another email here, too, um, about how to handle new sobriety if your partner still drinks or smokes, which, uh, man, I, I don't know how – I don't know if I have the – the, the right answer to that, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to at least read the email and give a little bit of my opinion on that as well, too. That's a tough one, man. It really is. They're all tough questions. I mean, I don't know. I don't have all the answers here. Uh, like I, I spoke with my sponsor this morning and, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about, I, I, I can't tell anybody what to do. I can't fix your problems for you. Um, I, you know, I can only share what's worked for me and what hasn't worked for me. And if you hear something and you take something out of that, that's fucking awesome. That's what I'm here for. That's what this show's here for. And to have a little fun too. Man, you guys having some fun in sobriety? I wish I could hear. Like I have this this vision, this voice going, yeah, people like screaming at you. Fuck yeah, I'm having some fun. Like have some fun today. Have some fun today. Like being sober and living a lifestyle free from alcohol, drugs, um, you know, trying to be on that sober train is a damn good time. It doesn't have to be this lowly, fucking depressing like life you know what i'm saying there's so much good stuff out there so i want to encourage y'all to have some fun today smile talk to some people step out of your comfort zone that's what it is about okay so we're going to get to a couple of these topics today and a couple of these emails but before we do that have a couple announcements be sure to check us out at that soberguide.com you can get past episodes there you can get resources there um you can also check out the private facebook group Sober guy, sober girl. There's over 600 people, I think, in there, and you can connect with them. There's people in all different levels and stages and uh, times of their their recovery journey, and it's a great place to stay connected. And Facebook, it's open 24-7, so go check that out. You can just search on their sober guy, sober girl uh, on Facebook. 
Also, I'm putting together a podcast video course with some of the top professionals and some of my closest homies in the recovery community. Uh, it's called How to Navigate the First 90 Days of Sobriety. Uh, we're almost there, man. This, these kinds of things are a lot of work. There's a lot of things that go into them. I have to schedule people to uh, record the the initial interview and recording session. I have to do pre-production, post-production. So there's a lot that goes into this thing. I'm super pumped about it. It it, re- it's, it is just what it says it is. It's a bunch of different people that I'm close to, that I trust, talking about how they navigated their first 90 days of sobriety, what they did, what they didn't do, what they could have, should have done, and what worked for them and what didn't. Uh, there's some professionals, there's people in recovery, and um, you know that's mixed up together as well, professionals who are also in recovery. Uh, it's a great thing. If you're interested in being notified as soon as the new as soon as the new course goes live uh, on September 1st is the date that we have set for that. Uh, go to that soberguide.com slash courses, or you can just go to that soberguide.com. You can click on the courses uh, tab up in the uh, I think it's the right hand corner area. Uh, and you can sign up to receive the updates. What I'll do is as it gets closer to launch date, uh, I'll be sending out some some emails telling folks that, hey, we're getting ready to launch. We'll probably be uh, uh, offering some discounts on the course right before it goes live. So look out for those. Uh, we're super pumped about that. And uh, and thanks to all those who participated in too. I haven't announced who exactly that is, but we'll, we're getting ready to do that soon. Um, also, we have an official launch date of July 17th for the new weekly Tuesday Sober Guy Show with the big homie Seth Manter. Oh, yeah. Single clap there. Man, I'm pumped about that. I know Seth is pumped. We had a good good little convo today about that. He's excited. He's got a couple of shows already in the works. Um, we're going to work this Sunday to uh, to help him get some of those uploaded and ready to go. It's a, it's a training session here. You know, this podcasting shit isn't easy. And uh, I get a lot of people who reach out that want to start a podcast, and I think that is dope. I love it. I don't think a lot of people understand, though, too, all the work that goes into it. Um, it's a lot of stuff and it's, it's all great stuff. I'm not complaining by any means. I love doing it all, but there's a bunch of different components to it. And so to get Seth up and running on this, um, you know, basically starting from scratch, uh, we're having to start from the ground up basically. And he's doing a great job. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's excited about it and I'm, I'm excited about it too. Just putting more content out there, having some fun with it. Uh, you know, given an, an alternate opinion from Seth too, and him having his own thoughts and own, own guests and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be really, really cool. If you want to reach out to Seth directly with questions, you just want to say, congratulations. You want to tell him to fuck off. You can hit him up at Seth at that sober I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. So hit him up and say, what's up last, but not least, if you have any questions about whether you are a loved one, you or a loved one may need some help. You can contact foundations recovery network at 877-714-1318. Foundations has nationwide residential and outpatient facilities, and uh, they can also provide a confidential assessment and review the best treatment options for you or your situation or your loved one's situation. If uh, you have somebody you love that you're looking to find some help, get some questions answered. One more time, let me give you that phone number. It's 877-714-1318. Let's get to some emails now. This first one here says, hey, Shane. I am on day five of being sober after many day ones over the past few years. And I just want to say out of all the sobriety podcasts I listen to, yours is my absolute fave. Oh yeah. Always love hearing that. There's some great podcasts out there too, but Hey, I will take it 
Love the sober guy is your favorite one. Much appreciated. I'm a 35 year old mother of one of a one and a half year old, and my partner smokes a decent amount of pot. He's definitely not a problem drinker, but I do find his smoking to be a bit of a trigger for me. Although I'm working on focusing on myself and not worrying about what he's doing. Uh, and then in parentheses it says he's very supportive of me not drinking. I started attending women's AA meetings, and I believe that is the part of sobriety I was missing, was having a community. So I'm hopeful on that. Maybe one day you can do a podcast on how to handle new sobriety when your partner still drinks or smokes. Please don't stop doing your podcast. They're the best and make me feel positive, and they're funny as well. Keep it up. Amanda in New Jersey. Amanda, thank you. Thank you for uh, sharing a little bit about that. Day five. I know that might not seem like a lot, but it's a it's a damn great start right there. Any day, day one is a damn good start. So just doing the next right thing one day at a time, that old cliche. And uh, I mean, it, it really is one moment at a time, at least even for me these days. I just try to live in that moment. So that's number one. Congrats on that. You know, you didn't give up. You kept going, and uh, that's that's a huge thing right there. That's not easy to do. A lot of people, after you know, time and time and time and time of failure of not being able to to do something, they quit, and then they either die, you know, a broken person like that, and and defeated, or you rise up and you get on that. What does Billy Madison say? You get out there and you find that fucking dog, something like that, right? Anybody know that movie? I'm outdating myself. I know it was like '90s, but. Point is, don't give up while I'm babbling on like a dipshit. Don't give up. That's all I'm trying to say here, okay? And you didn't. You kept going. That's awesome. Um, now, Amanda wants to talk about how to handle new sobriety when your partner still drinks or smokes. Absolute difficult question right there. I thought about this a little bit this morning. And, you know... You're you're because you're saying that your your partner supports you. At the same time, I feel like a supportive partner would not be. Um, oh man, that's a tough one. Do you see? Do you see how I got me? Because I don't want to say the wrong thing here. I don't want to tell anybody what to do. Let me let me rephrase that. Okay, let me start with this. I'll tell you that when I got sober and when I came home from rehab. Okay, my wife was there and it was fucking awkward. It was weird. It was the biggest change of our lives. You know, we had a lot going on, a lot of financial stuff, a lot of stressful stuff going on. And then the fact that I'm this new, supposed to be this sober person and trying to get my shit together, um, you know, and, and you add all that together. And had my wife still been drinking or like smoking and stuff around, that would have been really, 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 really difficult for me. She didn't do any of that. Um, we cleared the house out of alcohol. We, you know, we didn't smoke pot anymore. She didn't bring any pot in the house, cigarettes, all that stuff. It was gone. That was in the beginning. Um, you know, and for the first couple of years, I don't, I could probably count on my fingers how many times just drank, uh, in those first couple of years, it wasn't very many. And, uh, it, and it really wasn't, it wasn't anything like we used to drink either. If she did drink, it was like, you know, a glass of wine or something out with her girls one night, or maybe on a holiday with some of her family or something, have a glass of wine. 
it, it really wasn't a big, a big thing. Um, I can say, you know, and I, I appreciate the hell out of her for supporting me and doing that at that time, because that would have been really difficult for me to see her, you know, smoking or drinking or whatever. It just, I wouldn't have felt as supported as I did. Um, and I can't say that that wouldn't have been a trigger for me to go back to my old ways. So, um, that was a huge, a huge part of early on now. Okay. So let me, let me kind of move into now what it's like now, because that was then the first year or two. Now I'm around drinking often. I mean, I have family who drinks, I have friends who drink. I always, Oh, my dogs. I was tripping out there. I always have a, sorry about that. I always have a, that's almost like banging on my door. It's damn bro. Brody, what are you doing? He's like scratch. He's like trying to dig a hole out of the, out of the floor or something. Um, you know, I always have a purpose though, to be, you know, when I am around and I'll give you an example. Recently it was 4th of July. And so, you know, we went over to our homie's house and all the kids were there and we're swimming. And I'm one of the only ones, and these are, these are like my, these are like my homies from, you know, for years. And, um, you know, the wives all kick it, the kids all get together, all of us dudes kick it, you know, especially around certain holidays and, and, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And I'm pretty much the only one, you know, the dude, one of the dudes really who doesn't drink. And I feel in my, cause I only, you know, you best only, I know me best. Only I know where my, my, my headspace is at and what I can tolerate, what my boundaries are. Like, you know, I know where I'm at. And so now it's not an issue for me to be around that kind of stuff. Now I don't hang around people who are, you know, I'm not at places where people are just shit housed and acting a fool and doing drugs and stuff. Not by any means. I don't even go near that shit, but like I'm around places where there's alcohol. That's not a trigger for me anymore because you know, I have some, some time I think behind me to where I can go into those certain situations and I already know what to expect. I have things set up in case I did need to bounce beforehand. Like my wife knows. And I don't, I rarely have to do that because I don't put myself in the, myself in those situations. Now backing up again, early on, that was a different story. I didn't go around, you know, in the, for the first couple of years, I had to, to get away from that kind of stuff, you know, from, from being around any situations where I would feel uncomfortable. I could feel triggered. Um, I could feel like, you know, that, that I might slip up and that was, that was very important for me to do that. Now I'm not saying there weren't times when I had to go to a wedding or a birthday party and there's alcohol. Of course, like I can't fucking go hide in a corner somewhere for the rest of my life. Like there's alcohol around. It's going to be around. You know, sometimes there's pot around. It's legal now. So, you know, especially out here, you, I mean, that shit's everywhere. So you're going to come across it eventually. And, you know, and I, I understand the question here. I mean, it's different when it's somebody living in your own home, too. So that is something that only, you know, the, the two people who are in that relationship can really work out and are going to have to work out together and say, like, hey, look, you know, if you're going to do that stuff, you know, maybe don't bring it around the house, maybe do it somewhere else, you know, please don't do it here. Um, or, 
you know, maybe it doesn't, maybe it doesn't bother. I mean, I don't know what the answer is to that. And I'm not going to try to act like I do or give you a straight answer because that's going to be up to you guys. But I think the important thing is in that is communication. And I guess I kind of leave it on that is communicating about how that's making me feel, why I feel the way that I feel and how, you know, how it can help me, you know, having my partner do this. And like, for me, you know, like I said, Justin didn't, drink or smoke or anything in those, in those first, especially the first early times. She really still doesn't really. I mean, every once in a while, cool, but like, we don't, we don't really do, that's just not the way we live our lives anymore, you know? But, um, I think communication is key in that you got to be open about it. You have to be able to talk to your partner and let them know how you're feeling. And if it's, if it is a trigger, you need to be open about that. You need to be upfront about it and say, Hey, look, like this is, not good for me. And, you know, you got to come to some sort of terms, you know, and, and meet in the middle and, and talk about that kind of stuff, uh, to, to, to figure it out. That's the only way that it's, that it's going to, you know, figure itself out. So, um, that's, you know, that's a tough one. I hope that makes some sense to you. I, I feel like I started to go down the road of like trying to tell you what to do. And I think I did in the beginning and I had to catch myself. It's hard to, to, to do that sometimes. Like I, I think I said that at the beginning of the show, like, I don't have the answers. I can only tell you how I've done it for me. And that's the most important thing, not just for me, but for everybody out there to remember, like nobody wants to be told what to do. So when you're dealing with people, your family, your spouse, your partner, your friends, whatever, like it's all about how you word stuff and how you approach certain conversations. Like, I don't want anybody coming to me telling me what to do, even if they know that it's the right thing. Like I, my, my ultimate, my first reaction to that, just because I'm a stubborn ass fuck sometimes is going to be like, no, I'm not listening to you. I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't try to put your shit on me. Like whatever. I mean, that's, and I think the majority of people are like this. You have to approach it from, from a standpoint of, you know, it's not my battle. I'm not trying to tell you what to do or fix anything for you. Um, I'm just sharing what worked for me. So, you know, that's one way to think about things when approaching these types of situations. And you can kind of take that and apply it to the, to the situation that you're in, because it's probably going to be a little bit different. Um, the other thing, Amanda, I want to mention before we move on to this next email. And I think this is so important for everybody out there. I talk about this often uh, you said, I started attending women's AA meetings, and I believe this is the part of sobriety I was missing. I mean, that is absolutely huge. Absolutely huge. And, you know, for those out there who, you know, who don't necessarily want to do AA or you don't do it or or you have and you didn't like it or whatever the reasoning is, it doesn't necessarily have to be AA. There's lots of different meetings. There's lots of different groups. Um, there's There's churches. There's women's groups. There's all kinds of stuff and, and the, the solid point, the most important point here is uh, that you're, you're creating community. You're being a part of community. You're getting around other women who you can talk to and communicate and open up to share some stories, hear some stories. Um, I know for me that has been absolutely crucial in, I mean, that's top three, no doubt um, in, in my you know, in, in my life of staying sober and staying away from that old life I used to live is being around people and having other dudes, you know, in, in men's groups, in meetings, in support groups, in the church, my homies, like just kicking it all having good people that I can rely on to reach out to absolutely huge. 
So, you know, keep that up. Anybody out there, if you're, if you're not in a meeting, a support group, if you're not, if you don't have phone numbers in your phone, like people you can reach out to, to say, Hey, you know, I'm kind of having a rough day today. Like get that shit, like get it immediately. Like turn, if you can right now, turn this off and come back to it later and go to a meeting or go reach out to somebody and say, you know, and start building that list up because that is one of the most crucial things. Like I can't do this shit alone. Learned that a long time ago. That's what kept me out there being a dumbass for, you know, 15, 20 years. I, I kept trying to do it on my own. I got this. I got, I can do it. It's no big deal. All the excuses, not true. I can't do this on my own. I need a higher power. I need a God. I need a sponsor. I need a community. All the standard shit that when I first heard it all, I went, yeah, fuck off. I don't need any of that. <laughs> I mean, and that's classic. I mean, it's, it, I'm not special. Neither are you out there listening. If you've, if you've said something like that, we're not special people. We're all this, like a lot of us have the same types of attitudes on stuff and it's just the way it is. And then when you start to grow a little bit and go, wait a minute, maybe that asshole, you know, was right about something, you know, man, that kind of makes sense now. And it's really, it, the, the simple things is where it's at. You know what I mean? Support groups, meetings, community, sponsorship, finding something you like to do, um, you know, and just staying around people, not isolating. So that's huge. So Amanda, uh, thanks again for reaching out. Thanks for the email. I hope I was able to give you a little bit of insight. The rest is on you. Show up, keep showing up, hit those groups and uh, congrats on, uh, on, on day five, probably be day six or seven by the time this comes out of, uh, of, um, uh, sobriety. So good on you. So, all right, next one here, uh, says, Hey Shane, I love the show. I'm not completely new to recovery, but I'm new to working the steps with a sponsor. The guy I've started working with has a very militaristic and super structured method of working the steps, which I probably need is an undisciplined and ADD individual. However, unlike any of the other guys I've met in my home group, he seriously seems like a total jerk at times. Like tonight when I was texting with him and sharing my concern about my precarious living situ uh, circumstances, he asked me if I'm serious about getting sober or just looking for a handout. What the fuck? I haven't asked him for any handout or even assistance in any way. He told me not to talk to him about stuff like that and only to focus on the steps and the homework he's given me. He said to ask God for help with the other stuff. He also insisted I buy the physical big book instead of using the app. He demanded a spiral notebook instead of my legal pad. This latter stuff is minor, but he seriously said he wouldn't sponsor me unless I did this shit. Are all first sponsors assholes like this? Am I overreacting? Am I serious about getting sober? I'm sorry. I'm serious about getting sober, but I wouldn't mind working with a nicer guy. Seriously, what are your thoughts, Jim? So Jim, great email. I was dying when I read the headline this morning. Um, and you have a lot of good points here and a lot of good questions. And I've had, especially early on, a lot of these same exact thoughts. Like, why is this dude such a dick? And how is that going to help? And let me share a little story about, about my experience with this first. And then we'll kind of go through some of the questions here. So when I first got out of, uh, out of rehab, I got back to Vacaville and got dialed into the Alano Club like ASAP. Started hitting meetings um, and was hungry to find a sponsor, even though I really didn't want a sponsor because it meant that I was fully committed to the program. And I just, I did not feel 
that I was, I didn't, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I just didn't feel like I was ready for one. It just felt weird too. I got to be honest. And, um, and, it, but at the same time, I knew I, I was stepping out of my, of my comfort zone, doing what I had learned in rehab and doing what they told me to do, which is super important. Just do what the fuck you're told. And so I, I remember kept thinking that in my mind, like, just do what the fuck I'm told and just shut up because obviously what's worked or what I've been doing has not been working. That's why I'm here. So I really had to kind of focus on that mindset and just let go of control. That's number one, letting go of control. It's a huge thing, whether, and that goes for all people. I don't give a shit if you're in recovery or not. Control is a huge thing. It's a human, um, it's, it's a human, we're wired like that. We're wired to want to control our lives, control everything. Some people are better at it than others. Giving that up is a, is a very difficult thing. And for me, that was a big part of, you know, my struggles with addiction. So I get home, I hit the Alano club, I start going to some meetings and I hear this one dude talk. I think his name was Matt. And you, you know, he, he was one of the guys he'd been in the rooms for years, um, had a lot of sponsees from what I could tell. I think it, it was a men, it was like a Sunday night men's meeting that I started to go to it was one of my ones that I liked a lot. And then I'd go to some during the week, but the, the Sunday night men's one was, was the best because there was all dudes there and I could hear some good stories and some good shares and some good insight. And I was also looking for a sponsor. So good. It's a good place to find a sponsor. Right. And I remember him saying, I tell my sponsors or my sponsees when they come in here, you want me to sponsor you, you come in, you sit in the front row, you shut the fuck up and you don't say anything for the first six months you're here. And I went, damn, what a dick. Like why? I'm not doing that shit. I don't want that guy to be my sponsor. Like screw him. Like you're tripping, bro. Like you ain't telling me what to do. I'm still, you know, I'm still kind of going in that, in that, uh, mindset and, uh, and sure as shit, you know, within a couple of the meetings, I, there was something about the guy that I just was kind of drawn to. And I liked the way that he told it like it was. And, and that he was straightforward. He had, a, he had like 10, I want to say 10, 12 years under his belt. So he obviously had something, you know, was doing something right. And like they say in the rooms, I, how do I get what, what he has? I want what he has. Am I willing to go to any lengths to get what he has? So, I mean, that's the question that I kind of ha- had to ask myself at the time. So I remember I went up to him. I said, Hey bro, like, uh, my name's Shane. Um, I'm, you know, just got out of rehab. Um, you know, got 35 days or 40 days or whatever it was at that time. And I said, man, I'm, I really need a sponsor. And he goes, man, he goes, I, I, I have too many sponsees right now, but I got someone I can hook you up with. I said, okay. And so, um, you know, I ended up getting, he, he didn't, he didn't end up becoming my sponsor, but one of his sponsees, um, I started to work with him very briefly and, and just, uh, it wasn't even for probably a month. And, and he was a great guy. We actually were around the same age. He had a couple years, um, or maybe a year even. Uh, you know, and I think I'm, I may have been one of his first sponsees at the time. And he kind of tried that with me. He didn't, he didn't necessarily say though, in those words, cause he, you know, he probably know that I would have got up and, and told him, you know, like, yeah, that's your tripping bro. And walked away. But he did say, you know, Hey, part of this is, you know, just like Matt kind of taught me, you got to come in, you got to sit down in the front row. And, and so I remember I did it for like one meeting. I did it for one meeting and I just felt 
I don't know. I just felt so, I, I was so just against being told what to do still that it was really difficult for me to do that. And I'm just being honest here. I'm, I'm totally not saying this is the right way to do it either. Because if I go back, if I knew what I knew now, you know, I would have approached the whole situation different. Um, you know, I, I would have, I would have probably just done what I was told and just shut the fuck up and just did it, you know, because it probably would have saved me a little bit of time and moved my, my recovery process, uh, a little bit faster, um, you know, forward. Uh, but you know, Hey, everyone's, everything happens for a reason in due time, whatever. And, um, you know, so needless to say, what I'm getting at here is I, you know, I, I didn't work with him for much longer. I didn't have a sponsor for a while. I didn't have a sponsor for a while. And, uh, I think I worked with another guy eventually and, um, uh, he was cool too, man. Both good dudes. I just, it just was not ready for me. I was not ready to have somebody to tell me what to do. And this probably isn't the best uh, example for you, Jim, because I feel like you're probably looking for the, some of the, some of the similarities here saying, well, yeah, I mean, I feel that way too. And I feel you, bro. I do. I understand. That's why I thought this was a great email today. But what I want to say here, number one you answered your own question in the beginning of the email. Um, you said the guy I started working with has a very militaristic and super structured method of working the steps, comma, which I probably need as an undisciplined and ADD individual. So I want you to think about that for a minute because like you, I can tend to be very ADD. I, I was very undisciplined when I was first, you know, getting... Um, getting kind of acclimated to program and recovery and trying to trying to just fucking stay sober too. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. And so I think if I look back, I did need somebody to, you know, to, to really um, kind of put that old school mentality on me and structure. I think structure is the word I'm looking for here. At the same time, like I mentioned earlier with the other email, nobody wants to be told what to do. So where is that fine line between finding, you know, between letting that pride and ego go and going to any lengths to get sober and to stay sober by having another grown man say, shut the fuck up and listen, or come in and every meeting, sit in the front row, shut up, don't say anything for the first six months. Or, um, like, you know, like your, like your sponsor said here, don't, don't talk to me about that shit. I'm only here to work the steps with you. And, and, and that's it. Um, you know, so focus on the steps and focus on the homework I'm giving you and the rest, ask God for help. That's some old school shit right there. To my knowledge, I talked to my sponsor a little bit about this and, and, and not just today. We've, we've had this conversation before with me because I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of guys out there who work like this. And let me tell you, there's been a lot of success from people who work like this too, because they can put their ego, their pride down and just listen and just do what they're told. It's at least for the first six months to a year. And I think that's what we got to look at here. It's not always going to be like this, but I think the reason a lot of guys take that approach is number one, they don't want to waste their fucking time. How many times have, have, you know, has somebody worked with somebody and invested a little bit of time into them and then they, you know, they, they blow it off or they go out again and they never come back, you know, or they don't do what they're told to do. And it's a waste of fucking time. Like grown men normally don't have that, that luxury of just having that time. So it's important. It's really important to these people that if they're going to invest this time in helping people, 
Hey, here's the way I do this. Um, I need you to do it this way. If you don't like it, that's cool, but I'm not going to be your sponsor. Go find a different one. That's it. I mean, it's real simple like that. And I think, I think too, to that point, it's nothing personal. I don't think it's a, it's a personal thing. It's, it's just here it is. And if you can't do it, you don't want to do it, or you don't like it. And I'm, and I'm specifically talking about in the first year, I think after the first year, you tend to get a little more acclimated with, with your sponsor with your mentor, whatever you want to call it. And you start to build somewhat of a relationship. But at the end of the day, it's based around recovery. It's based around step work. It's based around, um, you know, sponsor, sponsee um, type of relationship. Generally, I will say generally. I feel like, I got to be honest here. I feel like my sponsor and and I have a, a very unique um, relationship, man. He's, he's old school and he's been very, very patient with me. I'm sure there's been times he's wanted to tell me to shut the fuck up and and just like calm down and listen. But he, for some reason, he he was intelligent enough and has been around the block enough fucking times in this program to know just what I need at that right time and to know when to push and when not to push and to know when to lay off and when to kind of you know put the pedal on a little bit. And that is 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 a good sponsor right there. It's a good friend right there. That's a good. Um, that's a good person in the rooms, in the program. And you know, that, that, that has, that has seen some of the stuff and understands how the program is supposed to work for a newcomer, especially for a newcomer. That's the most important thing. So big thanks to my sponsor, buddy. Number one, number two, I think that, um, it's a preference, you know, Jim, if you don't, if you don't want to go down that route, then fucking don't, you you know, I, Hey, I don't, I'll find a new sponsor. But if you think you might need that, you know, you might need that. And it's really a matter of just just doing what what your mentor, what your sponsor tells you to do. That's It's really simple because there, there's a much bigger the, on the face of it. That's what it looks like. He's just telling me what to do. You know, there's much more underlining um, strategy and thoughts and reasoning for why that is. Obviously, all of us in, you know, the first six months, year, you know, especially, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing some days, you know, but especially in the first six to six months to a year, it's a tough time. And so a lot of us need that discipline, that structure, um, you know, and we got to deal with, you know, someone being an asshole a little bit so we can get that. And I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, man, that the dude, I don't know this guy, but I'll tell you one thing. If he wasn't doing this and, and trying to, you know, maybe he, maybe you see him as being an asshole and being real hard nosed. If he wasn't doing that, he wouldn't give a shit. He gives a shit. That's why he's doing that. He's doing that because he wants to see you be successful. He sees that you, you know, you, you, you're fucked up in that ADD and undisciplined just as all of us are. So I'm not singling you out. I hate to say that you're fucked up. Like I take that back, Jim. It's not what I mean. You know what I'm saying though, right? Like we're all fucked up. Like we're all, we've all done things that, that we tried to do it our own way. And it doesn't work. And so this guy who's your sponsor obviously sees that he's obviously been in the program for a long time. I can tell by just what you're telling me and he cares. He wants to see dudes have success and he has a certain way to do it. And you, you basically got two choices. You can either fucking follow it or you can go find another sponsor. I mean, it's real simple. 
So kind of to answer your question, the way I see it is, um, I don't know that you're overreacting. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if you say you wouldn't mind working with a nicer guy. Well, I mean, that's your choice. That's, that's really your choice, but is a nicer guy going to serve you the best? You know, being that sometimes nice guys finish last. <laughs> it just kind of popped into my brain. And I, I don't know that, I, that that stands true in every circumstance, but you know what I'm getting at. Um, I, I want to touch on, too, he told me not to talk to him about stuff like that and to only focus on the steps and the homework he's given me. And I think that I, I kind of mentioned it a, a bit before, but I think that kind of goes back to that structure and staying focused. Like, a lot of sponsors, I'm here to work the steps with you and I'm here for you to do the homework that I give you. That's a very simple and yet strategic way of, of, of working the steps and working a program. That's it. Like that kind of thing is like, I ain't here to be your friend. I'm not here to loan you money. And I'm not saying you're asking for money, Jim, either or whoever out there listening, like, that's not what I'm saying, but like, basically those are kind of the guidelines. I'm not here to, to loan you shit, to be your, to be your friend, you know, to hang out with you, to talk about your marital issues, like go hire a fucking counselor. I apologize to my sponsor sometimes. Cause I do, <laughs> I told him that recently. I said, man, dude, I'm sorry, dude. I'm talking about my, my lady and stuff. I know it might, but he's cool. You know what I mean? We've built that relationship to where he can be honest with me and, and he'll tell me straight up, you know, and that happens over time. It doesn't happen overnight. You got to hang in there. Just do what the fuck you're told. It's really not not that difficult. And if you don't like it, then don't fucking do it. That's up to you. I mean, you're a grown man. You got a choice. I'm a grown man. I have a choice. We all have a choice to make. Um, you know, I personally, I kind of take that as a challenge if it was me. I'm like, all right. Like, you know, you're going to be hard like that here. I'm going to do it. I guarantee you, if you do what you're told, nine times out of ten, you're going to fucking have success. This this program is a lot less complicated, I feel like, than people make it out to be. People say, oh, it didn't work for me. This program didn't work for me. That program didn't work for me. I didn't like this about it. I don't like that person. I had, you know, all these excuses. And it's like, um, you ask them, well, did you do the work? And most of the time, they say no. Like even my sponsor said this morning, well, I asked him, did you do this? Have you done the steps yet? Nine times out of 10, well, no. Well, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Sorry to say, you didn't put the work in. Point being, you got to put the work in, got to do what you're told sometimes from a sponsor, sponsee perspective, and uh, you got to be willing to to go to any lengths to uh, to get that. But that said, man, I think you're on the right track, man. I do. I, I really appreciate this email. I think the headline is great. Um, is your first sponsor supposed to be an asshole? Uh, and I guess to sum it up, yeah, sometimes. Depends what you need. Do you need him to be an asshole? Maybe. Do you need him to be a pussy? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but in my, you know, experience, in my, uh, you know, my, my first thought would be I, I'd probably rather have um, have an asshole up there, you know, who's going to help me stay sober than someone who's soft and is going to let me get away with shit. That's just my thought. Check us out. That's soberguy.com. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in today. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean, sons. <laughs>